Hi, and welcome to a podcast that gets the most important part of its name right, Five Minutes of Rum. Notes on rum a few minutes at a time. My name is Kevin Updegrove. Today's episode features Plantation Original Dark Rum, some crushed ice, and the Queen's Park Swizzle. Plantation Original Dark Rum is um, naturally, by, by virtue of its name, part of the Plantation line of rums. Uh, way back in episode one, talked about the five-year Plantation Rum from Barbados, um, and their style um, of rums is is such that they they take whatever rum it is particular to its region, age it in that region, whether it's Barbados, um, you know, other Caribbean islands, whether it's Jamaica, Panama, etc. Um, and then they move that rum uh, over to France and then age it in cognac barrels. That's kind of the double aging technique is kind of their hallmark. And by and large, um, all of their rums are very good. They have, a, you know, a really nice line of rums that you sip neat that are aged for a, a longer period of time. And then they have a couple of mixing rums, including the five-year Barbados that we talked about in episode one. And then today's rum, which is an, a dark rum from the Caribbean, uh, Plantation Original Dark Rum. So this particular style of plantation um, is something new from the, the person that really runs the blending and runs the program over at Plantation Rum, who is Alexandra Gabriel. Um, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. I'm probably getting the accent wrong because I'm sure he's not from the U.S. and I'm giving it that hallmark U.S. Uh, uh, accent. Um, anyways, he's the guy behind you know the entire line of plantation rums and also Pierre Ferrand Dry Curacao, which we talked about in the Mai Tai episode. So by virtue of those two things alone, he's quickly becoming a new hero of mine. Um, plantation Original Dark arrived on the market in October of 2013 um, and in my mind was just you know made to be mixed. Um, it's double-aged like most of the rest of the plantation line. It's first aged in Trinidad. It's a Trinidadian rum um, for three to five years in charred American oak barrels and then shipped to Cognac, France, where it's blended and then further aged for 10 to 12 months in medium toasted Cognac Ferrand um, French oak barrels. Uh, the rums themselves, like I said, originate from Trinidad and Tobago. And as with the rest of the plantation line, uh, the aging really is the thing here. The, the base is almost secondary. Not that they're using bad rums, but really what they're doing is taking a, a good rum to start with, or you know, at least at, at the very least, a, a not bad rum to start with, and then the dual aging process really gives the rum its character. Um, if you've read or listened to somebody talk about rum at some point, you've probably heard the term hugu, uh, H-O-G-O, or hogo. Uh, I think it's actually usually hugu, um, but it's it's used in reference to rum, and particularly in reference to you know somebody says uh, a rum has a particular hugu or a particular funk. Um, quoting Alexander Gabriel, he says, in the case of plantation, we handpick each barrel one by one and we blend the rums according to the ancestral élevage technique that we use at Cognac Fernand or at Cognac Ferrand. Uh, some people call this ancient touch the rum funk, quote unquote rum funk. In old days, it was called hugu derived from the French haut-gout, which I'm totally butchering because I don't do French accents at all or don't speak French. Um, but translated, that means high taste. Um, Gabriel goes on to say, I learned from an old cellar master that this is the way rum was blended in Europe in the 18th and 19th century. And so he's applied that technique, uh, which you also may re see referred to as élevage. Um, élevage is, you know, where the rums are hand-picked and blended according to that sort of technique at Cognac Ferrand. Uh, it's actually how rum was originally blended in those, again, 18th and 19th centuries. Um, it means that the rum is not just put into a barrel and left to age, 
but it's sampled every few months. The rums, you know, are put into specially selected barrels and it's evaluated on a continual basis. And then based on its progress or lack thereof, the barrel may be moved to a different location in the cellar for more or less humidity, or the rum may even be removed and recast. In short, what makes plantation rums really good and really extraordinary is that they're very hands-on and they pay attention to what's going on in the barrel. Um, in terms of this rum's name, you know, it's called Plantation Original Dark, and I sort of have my own bias on how I refer to rums uh, that are called dark rums. I, I have drawn my own conclusion uh, based on how I started make, making cocktails uh, to call some rums gold and some rums dark, but I think this is the rum that may end up changing my perception because, you know, originally when I saw dark rums, I was thinking dark Jamaican and everything else was gold, but really the, you know, the common perception is you have a silver or a light rum and anything that's gold color or darker ends up being called a dark rum. Um, so again, my bias is that dark rum was kind of reserved for Jamaican rum or things like Gosling's, but I'm, I'm starting to see what the, the dark rum can come to mean and not just refer to it as a, as a gold rum. So again, this isn't like Karuba and it's not a substitute for dark Jamaican rum in terms of a one-to-one in a recipe. You're not going to swap out one for the other and get the same result. But in spirit, if you'll pardon the expression, um, it is what recipes are looking for when they call for a dark rum. That's this, this rum is. Um, I'd happily buy two cases of this rum and keep it on standby for mixing in any number of cocktails. As far as the rum itself, it's bottled at 80 proof or 40% alcohol by volume. Um, I happen to find it at my local Total Wine in November of 2013, and it runs about $16 for a standard 750 milliliter bottle. Um, I couldn't pick up a bottle fast enough as soon as I saw it. Uh, originally thinking it might be a substitute for dark Jamaican rum and running, realizing it's not that, um, but knowing that I was a big fan of the plantation line of rums entirely, I kind of bought this on faith knowing that it was going to be good. Um, and I ended up finding some really good uses for it once I worked past that, hey, this isn't dark Jamaican rum uh, sort of bias. Um, plantations mixing rums, whether it's this one or the Barbados five-year, they seem to exist at a price point that sort of you know, betrays how tasty they are in cocktails and on their own when sipped neat. It really does seem interesting that they're able to produce such a high quality rum at um, such a decent price point compared to some of the other things that are on the shelf. Um, there is also an overproof version of the Plantation Original Dark uh, that you better believe is going to be in a future episode as soon as I pick up a bottle and figure out what to do with it. So tasting the Plantation Original Dark uh, rum, in terms of appearance, um, it's an, an amber color, a caramel color in the glass, not overly dark, but it's more so than, say, a Cruzon Dark rum. It's a little darker than that. Uh, aroma, um, because, you know, naturally because of the aging, there's a, a wood present, caramel and other sugars. Um, very, you know, very faintly, maybe a smell of banana peel. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the plantation Panama, the way that smells. But whereas that one, the banana smell would be, you know, a nine or a 10 on a scale of one to 10. This one kind of dials it back to a two or three. I think it's back there somewhere, but it's definitely not at the forefront like the plantation Panama. Um, and no astringency or burn um, when you smell it, which is I'm sure due to its extensive aging. Uh, in terms of taste, it's it's warm, just a you know a little bit fiery, uh, very pretty full body with less sugar than you expect from the smell. Um, and again, to mention the aging, I think that the double aging really sands off a lot of any of the potential rough edges that this rum would have if it were only aged once or if it was aged you know less time from the get go. I do pick up a little bit of uh, spice note on the tongue, but not vanilla like is so common you know that you normally pick up in rum. Um, it doesn't 
taste like cinnamon, but it's really that type of spice note, the, the hint of some sort of uh, baking spice, but you know, not strictly cinnamon, but that type of, of spice. In terms of finish, uh, I found it slow and warm, uh, lingering a bit in the throat, but not too long. Kind of a medium finish, definitely not short, but it doesn't linger a real long time. Um, so though this is an entirely different style of rum than the Plantation Barbados five-year from episode one, I do think it's similar in a lot of ways. Uh, this rum sips just fine on its own, but it's really made to be mixed into cocktails. It seems you know, so much better than its price point as well. I've spent the same amount of money, again, $16, on bottles that frankly weren't that good. Um, and yeah, we can touch on that in a different show. Um, but this is, you're really getting something good for, for the money, um, better, better than, you know, than you would expect. Um, and yes, it's not a dark Jamaican rum, but I would stock up on this rum for mixing in several of my favorite cocktails and keep it as a standard of my home bar. Um, I also gave this one a taste in a, just a regular daiquiri with rum, lime, and sugar. Um, I found this, you know, good in this form. It was more rum taste than using a silver rum and somehow the rum, reacted well with the lime juice and made it a little bit more sour than a silver rum version, uh, which actually encouraged a slower sip and was probably better for enjoyment of a cocktail. All right, a little bit about ice and in particular crushed ice. Um, why ice and why crushed ice and why is it important at all? Um, in cocktails, uh, proper dilution is important because when recipes are formulated, they take that, they take dilution into consideration. So if a recipe was created expecting to have a big a big hunk of ice in it that slowly melts it's going to dilute differently than if you use eight ounces of crushed ice and um you know when people make recipes they do factor that in so if you have a a recipe that says shake it with ice cubes and then strain it out into a cocktail glass it's thinking that the only dilution you're going to get is the dilution that you get when you shake it and so crushed ice um, just like any other form of ice is important to take into consideration and use it when it's called for um, because it's going to melt differently than if you were using, you know, a big block of ice or, or smaller ice cubes. Um, how to pick up crushed ice. Um, you know, the, crushed ice doesn't have to be any more complicated than putting ice in a bag and, and beating the heck out of it with uh, like a wooden mallet or some other, you know, blunt instrument. You can create some pretty good crushed, crushed ice that way and probably develop your arm muscles as well. But if you're going to do crushed ice in a number of cocktails and you're going to do it on a regular basis, that'll probably get old really quick. Uh, so generally what I do, um, and I think there's there's other ways to do this. Again, I think, you know, I, I mentioned putting it in a bag and beating the heck out of it with a, with a blunt instrument. Uh, I think there actually are specialty bags that you can get that are made for doing that sort of thing. But I found pretty quickly um, what I wanted was I wanted a, a kitchen appliance that I could use because I'm looking for crushed ice, you know, three, four, five times a week. Um, and having an appliance seemed to be a pretty good use. Uh, so I picked up, and this is pictured in the show notes, um, a wearing ice crusher. Um, it's available on Amazon, and I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Not terribly expensive when you consider how often it gets used. I've had mine for a couple years. I couldn't be happier. I've recommended it to other people. Um, and it makes you know a good amount of crushed ice. I've even taken it with me to a tiki event and used it on a room crawl um, every once in a while. If the ice gets a little bit too wet, you may end up with some stickiness in the ice um, and you kind of have to pour water down and, and you know clean it out a little bit. But by and large, uh, the thing is a workhorse, uh, makes real good crushed ice, you know, and, and ends up being a real good value for what I paid for it. Um, again, I use it, you know, really, really often. Um, so I, I recommend if you're going to make, um, you know, any sort of 
tiki craft cocktails i know often they call for a crushed ice especially if it's a dawn's drink a lot of times it'll call for you know whether it's a half cup or three quarters of a cup or a full cup of crushed ice and then flash blending it for five seconds uh you're gonna get a different result if you put ice cubes in there and then drop it into your you know your normal uh blender that you put on the kitchen top that's different than what you're what you're gonna get if you use like a milkshake mixer and, and an ice crusher so if you're going to spend any time making those sorts of cocktails, you want to get the the tools for the job that are going to give you the same taste that um, the recipes were originally, or the same result that the original recipes were formulated for. All right, the cocktail in this uh, episode is called the Queen's Park Swizzle. Um, and so what is a swizzle? Let's start with what is a swizzle? Uh, a swizzle is a couple different things. It's a style of cocktail, and it's also the name of the instrument that's used to mix that cocktail. So I have a picture of a real swizzle stick and a plastic representation of a swizzle stick that are in the show notes. Uh, you'll notice that's different than, you know, the bar stir that you would get as a souvenir at a bar. Those things that are long and narrow and plastic um, and generally just used to stick in your drink for decoration. Those are great. Um, they're also referred to as swizzle sticks, but a true swizzle stick um, at the end of it will have, if it, whether it's real or the plastic representation, will have what looks like spokes sticking out in a star pattern uh, from the bottom of it. And this actually occur, uh, occurs from a, a real tree that's uh, named the swizzle, well, the popular name or the colloquialism of the name is the swizzle stick tree that grows in the Caribbean. Really, that that is what it's called. Um, and I've got a couple links to that in the show notes. There's also a Latin name for it that, um, you know, continuing the theme from this episode, I'm not going to try and mispronounce because I think I've exceeded my allotment of mispronunciations for one episode but there is a latin name for this tree that identifies it correctly but the the common name is the swizzle stick tree um the and the way the swizzle sticks are used because again they have that star pattern at the end is uh generally swizzles are built inside a collins glass a collins glass which is a tall uh, narrow glass looks uh, also called a chimney glass sometimes or a highball uh, built with a lot of crushed ice and then spirits poured into it and rather than shaking or stirring the swizzle is held between your palms and sort of you know move back and forth as you move your palms back and forth and then the spokes on the end of that swizzle stick mixes up the drink and it chills it down really nicely and it becomes a you know refreshing uh, you know correctly diluted uh, drink that's made for slow sipping on a beach somewhere in the Caribbean. Uh, the Queen's Park swizzle itself was named after the now defunct Queens Park Hotel in Trinidad. Um, again, the, the drink originated in Trinidad, but it was actually formulated particularly with rum from Guiana. So um, in the United States, that would mean using El Dorado rum or, or Lemon Heart 80 if you still have some. Um, other Demerara rums or, or rums from Guiana are available outside the country, but in the U.S. it's pretty much El Dorado and nothing else unless you have some other stock on hand. And I've also linked to... Um, what's pretty much the definitive article on both this cocktail and what a real swizzle stick is. And that's an article written by rum dude, R U M D O O D rumdude.com, uh, written back in, uh, April of 2010. Uh, he has a really good article on not just the cocktail, but also again, what it's like, you know, what it means to swizzle a drink and what a real swizzle stick is. Um, so check that out again, that's linked in the show notes. Um, the recipe itself for this cocktail um, this is one interpretation. So, you know, if you get it, the sort of the standard is, you know, three ounces of Guiana rum and then some lime juice, some sugar syrup and some bitters and then swizzled into a glass. The original interpretation that I pulled was from the book Trader Vic's Tiki Party. Um, and it tastes pretty close to what you can still get if you order one at Trader Vic's LA, although it may, the taste may vary based on the rums that they're using and the rums you're using at home. 
And the drink itself, as they presented in their book, is one ounce of light rum, um, which I've made with Don Q Crystal or Cruzon Light, one ounce of dark rum, which in this taste test, I used Plantation's original dark rum, one ounce of 151 proof rum, I used Cruzon 151 in this case, uh, one quarter ounce of fresh squeezed lime juice with a half of a lime shell reserved. Um, I actually used one half ounce in my recipe or in, in my version of this. Um, a dash of simple syrup, which I also used a half ounce, which is probably more than a dash. And then a dash of Angostura bitters. And to build that, filled a Collins glass with crushed ice, added all the ingredients except for the half lime shell, swizzled with a swizzle stick or a bar spoon. You can also use a bar spoon, but again, you don't want to stir it. You want to run that between your hands um, and create a swizzle motion even with the bar spoon. And then allow the ice to partially dissolve. Refill it with the glass with more crushed ice back up to the top and continue to swizzle until the glass frosts over. And then add in the lime shell, top with more crushed ice if you need to, and then garnish with a mint sprig. Um, if you wanna go with the alternate fancy presentation, uh, when you build a drink, omit the 151 and the bitters until the cocktail is built in the glass and iced over, and the glass is frosted over, and then top it with the 151 and the bitters, add the mint and serve, and then you'll get that layered effect, and it'll look really nice for presentation. Um, but the cocktail should be stirred before drinking. Otherwise, you're going to finish with essentially overproof rum on ice, which if you want that, fine. But generally speaking, it gets to be a bitter end that way. So I had that drink. And, you know, in that formulation, the drink kind of falls a little bit flat. Um, it's missing the Demerara element. And fa frankly, it's it's a little thin and, and missing, you know, enough of a dark rum. I think with the with the Don Q Silver and the Cruzon 151, there's just not enough body to counterbalance uh, the plantation dark rum. So I think the plantation was a good use there, especially since it's a Trinidad rum. Um, and it's a, you know, essentially a drink that hails from the Queens Park Hotel in Trinidad. So from a certain sense, or from a certain point of view, it makes sense to use that rum. I just think the mix of rums overall wasn't that good. So I made another and used just three ounces of plantation original dark and an extra dash of bitters. And the results really night and day with that, you know, more rum flavor and yet better balance um, even using just the same amount of citrus and syrup, just changing the a little bit more bitters and a little bit better rum, and you got much more balance out of that cocktail. So using a good flavorful rum and hitting the bitters right just sort of ever, evens everything out. Um, other variations I would try, because this is the Queen's Park Swizzle is what I would consider to be a drink framework um, that you can modify and, and build to your own, you know, your own subtle differences to build your own cocktail. But other variations I would try is maybe two ounces of Plantation Original Dark and one ounce of Lemon Heart 151. Um, and then the show notes, I've also included a variant I've made called the Queen's Blood Swizzle that swaps blood orange for lime juice. Uh, when blood oranges are in season here, um, which is primarily in the wintertime, I think they're just coming into season right now, um, I try and use them as much as possible in cocktails just for something a little bit different. Um, including making the signature drink of Trader Vic's Portland, which is a drink they called Nelson's Blood. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Show links are up on the 5 Minutes of Rum website. That's number5minutesofrum.com. The show is also on iTunes as 5 Minutes of Rum. You can subscribe there, rate the show there, even leave a review there. Uh, remember, in this particular episode, I have a couple different variations on the cocktail, including what I would consider the 5 Minutes of Rum endorsed version of the Queen's Park Swizzle. Um, Show is also on Twitter as at five minutes of rum. That's at symbol number five minutes of rum. Uh, please send in any comments, corrections, feedback, and requests you have via either the five minutes of rum website or via Twitter. And now go get some rum. <laughs>